I'm sharing from a portion of scripture that was part of our daily Bible reading yesterday. For those that are visiting, we're reading through the whole New Testament this year, and we're getting closer just over a month until we finish reading through the New Testament. So this was part of the daily Bible reading yesterday, and it's from the book of First Peter. You can turn there so long. The title of the message this morning is God's Chosen People. Please say that with me. God's chosen people. About two times back when I shared, I preached about encourage one another. And then the last time I preached, I preached about we are the family of God. And I would see as a, as a thread of continuation here, God's chosen people. So let's have a look at the main scripture. This is 1 Peter 2 verse 9 to 10. And it says, but you... That's you and me as blood-washed believers. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. This scripture passage is essentially talking about who we are in Christ. This is talking about your identity as a believer in Christ. And I believe that we need to know our identity. Many times we think that Believers around about us or believers in your life group or friends that you have that are believers, you think that they know this and they understand this, but not everybody does. You have to sink your teeth into the Word of God, if I can put it that way, so that you can understand your identity because when you do, then you will begin to value yourself accordingly. You begin to think more like God thinks about you. You begin to operate not from a groveling mentality, but a throne of God out mentality when you begin to come into agreement with how God sees you and your identity in Christ. The same verse in the message says, but you, now look out for the words chosen, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. And I declare the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Amen. Now, there are five things that I'd like to touch on regarding this, five points related to this passage. Point number one, you are a chosen generation. Please say that with me. You are a chosen generation. Is, something that, is that something that you believe? Is that something that you really see yourself as? Well, it says that in 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen generation. Now, let's take a look at an important passage in the book of Romans that sheds some light on this aspect of being chosen by God. It's on your screen, Romans 8, verse 29 to 30. And it says there, it says, for whom he, that's God the Father, 
foreknew. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he, in other words, his son, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, allow me to try explain this passage for you a little bit. Now, predestination. How many of you have heard of that concept, predestination? Raise a hand. And it's not really a, a common word in the English language. It's not like you get up and say, well, I was predestined to have a cup of coffee this morning. Although, actually, maybe some of you were. <laughs> but in terms of predestination, it's a theological concept, and I'd like to try explain it to you and, and interpret it as I've come to understand it. Basically, this is how it works. Imagine here, God is... Right before time began, before the foundation of the world, and God looked into the future, and God saw what he would do through Jesus Christ, how he would pay the penalty for our sins and make salvation available to us, make his grace available to us, make the free gift of eternal life available to everyone. Everyone was given the opportunity. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so God, basically, he created this whole possibility that mankind could respond to his grace and to his salvation. But mankind has always had a decision to make because God has given a free will. And here mankind could either say, no, I don't want this gift. I don't want what's supposedly on the cross. I don't want what you're talking to me about, about you know, eternal life. I don't care about this. I don't believe there's a God. Some people did that. They said, no, I don't want it. But then so many people said, yes, and they responded to the love and the kindness of God, and they were born again. Now, what was happening right here is God was looking into the future, and he saw his people whom he foreknew would accept the him, and he says, I predestine them to become sons and daughters of the Most High God. Can I hear an amen on that? And so let me tell you, there is, the Bible says no one is without excuse. God has extended his grace to everyone. And for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. But the sad thing is, there are people who say no. There are people who do not want it. But for the people who say yes, God says, I choose you. For the people who say yes, God says, I predestined that person to be conformed into the image of my son. They're going to become like my son. They're going to become like Jesus. Isn't that an incredible thing that God does? And so this all points to the fact that how are we chosen? How are we a chosen generation? Well, it's simply through this that God saw in advance. And basically, simply put, it means that God chose you long ago, and his decision was based upon foreknowledge. We don't really know what's going to happen in three or four days' time. We don't really know what's going to happen in January. But God has foreknowledge. 
and those he foreknew would choose him. He also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. I think of a practical example. I think of a schoolyard pick. What happens in a schoolyard pick? You've got a bunch of kids, and now you need to select two teams, and the one's going to play this side, the other guy's going to play this side. So maybe you've got 12 people, 16 people. And, uh, you know, a schoolyard pick, I don't know, where were you when they were doing schoolyard picks? Were you one to be chosen first, or were you one to be chosen in the middle? How many of you were one to be chosen last? Now, please don't put your hands up, all right? I don't know, for some reason, I was somebody who was generally chosen in the middle, all right? Much to do about nothing, I don't know, anyhow. But you know what? It's not nice to be chosen last, am I right? It's like, okay, well, okay. Danny, you just, or Johnny, let me use my name. Johnny, you just go to that side. And it's not a nice feeling to be left for last when nobody really wants you. But let me tell you, it is much better to be called first. It is a privilege to be called first. And I want to tell you loud and clear, that's what Jesus did for you. He called you first, together with all other believers. There was not long, a long line of picking where it was, okay, this one, this one, and eventually, ah, well, we better include that one and that one and that one and so on. But let me tell you, God chose you first. Together at the same time with all other believers. And so the wonderful thing is that, yes, you were chosen right from the start. And that's why I submit to you boldly from the Word of God. You are a chosen generation. Come on. You are chosen right from the beginning together with all other believers. Number two, you are a royal priesthood. Please say that with me. You are a royal priesthood. 1 Peter 2.9 says you are a royal priesthood. Now, this deals with royalty, and this verse actually speaks about royalty. Now, I look at it quite simply, that if God is the king, and he is the king of all kings, and we are his children, then that makes you and I king's kids. It's not presumptuous, it's just the way it is. And in other words, we are royalty. Why don't you tell the person next to you, you are royalty. Hmm. And take note, this is not our opinion. This is not wishful thinking. But it is God's opinion and it is according to God's word that he declares that you are royalty. What is the definition of royalty? It, it ref uh, refers to a royal person, the rank, status, or power of a king and queen. Royalty refers to dignity, sovereignty, royal position. It refers to kingship. And so when uh, you are referred to as royalty, it refers to your status connected to the king of kings. I think of the British royal family. They're one of the very well-known uh, families or what do you call it, a monarch, whatever, uh, in, in the world today, the British royal family, and we know pretty well Prince William and Prince Harry, and there's been marriages and children coming along. And it's interesting, still today, the world tunes in to watch those marriages. Can you believe it? Why? Because they are royalty. 
because they are connected to somebody very famous who has a lot of power and influence. But you know what? Those princes, Prince William and Prince Harry, I believe it's fair to say that they don't go to certain places, certain dark, dingy places filled with drugs and uh, all sorts of things and prostitution and so on. They don't go there. You know why? Because they know that they are better than that because they're royalty. Now, let me tell you, child of God, the same applies to you. There's certain places that we just don't go. Why? Because we are royalty. We are children of the Most High God. There's certain places that we should not be going to because we understand our identity. And it's only people who don't understand their identity that end up in those places of, of filth and muck, if I can put it that way. But I want to call you, rise up. And I want to say, rise up, you royal priesthood, child of God, you. Rise up. There's places you don't belong, and there's places that you do belong. Absolutely. Now, then also we see this aspect of priesthood. We see royalty, and we see priesthood. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you see yourself as a priest? I'm guessing probably not. I know you want to say yes in the service and make people next to you think, yeah, 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 priest. <laughs> That's me, all my life, all my life. But you know what? I'm of the opinion that we, we don't all see ourselves as priests unto the Lord. But you see, God does. So whenever there's something in our thinking that's out of agreement with the Word of God, who's got to change? We have to change. We have to bring, in our, uh, bring our minds into alignment, realizing that we are priests. Now, let me give it to you from Scripture, Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. There's our specialness, if I can put it that way, for all the earth is mine. And look at verse 6, and you shall be to me, say those three words, a kingdom of priests. One more time, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So if you thought that you're not a priest, I want to tell you today, man and woman of God, you are a priest as unto the Lord. Now, years ago, the church came up with this concept, clergy and laity. How many of you heard of clergy and laity? Well, basically, it's this. The clergy are like the full-time ministers or whatever. They perform the priestly duties. They minister. They preach. And then the laity, they sit on the benches and do nothing. That was the concept at that point in time. Basically, the laity, they pay the clergy to perform the duties and then basically also the laity, they just end church. But I want to tell you, this was never God's plan. You can even see God wanted a kingdom of priests. It was never God's plan. He never wanted to have it like this. This was a flawed concept right from the beginning. But you know what? Thankfully, things have begun to change. And more and more believers are recognizing that they are ministers of God and priests of God. And I want to tell you that I believe that the end time mobilization and harvest that will come through the church of Jesus Christ will be as every believer begins to see themselves as a priest. We are all in this priestly ministry as unto the Lord. Come on, say amen, please. And now Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12 says the following. 
it says, and he, this is God, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints to sit on the pews. Is that what it says? It says that the fivefold ministry is given for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And I believe that so many people down through the ages have been kept in bondage. The leadership of the church have kept people in bondage, not allowing them to rise up to become all that God wants them to be. They even kept the scriptures from the people. It was only the priests that could have the scriptures. But nowadays, we all have the scriptures. We can all study the word. We can all grow in our calling and in our destiny. And we can operate in doing the work of the ministry. And I so love this because actually it's been said that we are living in the age of the priesthood of all believers. My dad used to say something many years ago, and I remember he said it so many times that it eventually sank in. But he said the following, he said, we are all in the ministry. Do you agree with that? Please say that with me. Here we go. We are all in the ministry. Tell the person next to you, you are in the ministry. Now, please tell them you are a priest. <laughs> you are a priest. Now, let me tell you the practical applications because it's so lacquer to go, ooh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, I'm a priest, praise the Lord. Now, you know what a priest can do? You can cast out demons. You know what a priest can do? You can baptize somebody who's given their life to Jesus Christ. You know what a priest can do? You can go into a home and you can ch chase out demonic influences and you can cleanse a home. Maybe you buy a new home and you think, well, yo, I better call Pastor Bruce or, or Pastor Greg or Pastor Andrew. They've got to come and chase out the hohos out of the house and so on. Let me tell you, we're happy to serve and we're happy to come and help and so on. But you are a priest and you can take authority and you can send the devil running. Greater is he who's in you than he's in the world. And so I want to say to you, rise up, priest of God, rise up, royal priesthood, and do the work which God has empowered you to be able to do. And why can you do this work? Well, it's because you're a priest. Praise the Lord. Now, number three, you are a holy nation. 1 Peter 2.9 says you're a holy nation. Now, I'd like to emphasize this, that realize that you have, listen to this, the capacity to live a holy life. The scripture, 1 Peter 1, verse 15 to 16 says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Can I add in, in your language that you use, in your attitude, in your home life, be holy in all your conduct, verse 16, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. You see, it would be completely unfair of God to expect us to do something that we are incapable of doing. If he says, be holy, and we cannot, it's unfair. But I want to tell you, listen to this, that you are capable of living a holy life. Not through your own strength, but through the righteousness of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, John, I face this 
familiar temptation over and over again. I began to believe I can't win. I want to tell you, no, that's a lie. You are empowered by God to be able to live a holy life. And I declare over you, I break that stronghold over your mind that says you cannot conquer. I declare, holy child of God. I declare you're a holy child of God in the name of Jesus. And the verse says that you are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, just say marvelous light. Marvelous light is an interesting concept. And why is God's light so marvelous? Well, I believe God's light is marvelous because it is so intensely bright, so beautiful, and specifically, listen to this, so pure in holiness. And I want to remind mind you that once you were children of darkness, but no longer, God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I heard one theologian explain it like this. He says, you know what? It's like being born into a dark dungeon. There's no windows. There's just darkness. You cannot see anything. And then one day, in the middle of a bright sunny day at 12 noon, you are brought out of that dungeon of darkness into the sheer brightness of the day. And it is incredible. It is overwhelming. That's how marvelous the light of God is that he has called you into. And so I want to say to you, his light is glorious, his light is pure, and his light is holy. You are a holy nation. And it says in Ephesians 5, verse 8 to 11, it says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true, Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. And I just want to let you know that being a child of the light, part of your job is to expose things. And I want to say to you that you have to expose corruption. Can I say that again? Child of God, in this country, you have to expose corruption. There's not enough amens. I want to tell you, our salt and light needs to make a greater difference in this country. I don't know how this country got to be where it is at at this point in time in terms of corruption and maladministration and all of that when there's supposedly 80% of the, of the nation that calls themselves Christians. Maybe it's because we aren't speaking out. But I want to tell you, this Bible of mine says, instead, expose the deeds of darkness and so I want to say, tell you, expose lies, expose corruption, expose dishonesty, and live as people of the light. Number four, you are God's own special people. Please say that with me. You are God's own special people. Now, think about that for a second. Don't you just love that? Come on, children of God, don't you just love that? Yes, it is a repeating of a concept earlier on in the scripture but realize that this is what God says about you. And so 1 Peter 2.9 confirms that. But I also want to point out the scripture in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. We know the scripture and it's often quoted when we want to pray and intercede for the nation. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and do a bunch of things, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. 
But there is a little phrase here that is often overlooked. Notice the phrase, called by my name. Please say that with me, called by my name. Do you realize that we get to carry the name of the Almighty God? Now I want to tell you, there's no other people on the face of the earth that can rightfully claim the name of the Lord our God, but it's only you and me as believers in Jesus Christ. We get to be called by the name of God, and that's why you are God's own special people. Amen? Come on, put your hands together and thank the Lord. We are called by His name. His name is upon you. He's written His name upon you. Praise the Lord for that. And let me say this, that oftentimes we determine our value based on our accomplishments, our job, our possessions, our education, our social status, but that is not correct because let me tell you this, our value comes from being a child of God because your worth comes from whose you are. Your worth does not come from what you do. Realize that. Sometimes we are so consumed by our jobs, but it doesn't define us. We're defined by the one to whom we are connected. In our text for today, it also says, once you were not a people, in other words, there was a lack of identity, but now we are the people of God, and that is the highest form of identity. So I'd like to ask, won't you point to yourself and say this after me, I am special, before God. Please tell the person next to you, you are special before God. Now, this brings us to the last point, which is a brief one, which relates to purpose. You are called to proclaim His praises. Would you please say that with me? You are called to proclaim His praises. 1 Peter 2.9 says, you are his own special people that you may, here it is, your purpose, proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I want to say to you, child of God, that part of the responsibility that we have is you do not have the right to remain silent regarding what God has done in your life. God says, I've called you out of darkness into marvelous light that you may proclaim my praises. You cannot be a 007 Christian. You cannot be an undercover Christian. You actually have to let your light so shine before men that they would see your good deeds and begin to glorify your Father is in heaven. And I want to challenge some people here today that never open their mouths about the testimony. You might say, well, John, I don't, I don't have a theological degree, and I don't know, how do I argue with this guy from another faith that's in my office? Don't get into arguments, but you know what you do? You overcome by your testimony, and all you begin to say is, well, I don't know what you're saying about that, but I can just tell you, this is what God has done in my life. I have incredible peace. I have peace with God. I have a relationship with Jesus, all because of what He has done, and so we are not to remain silent, hear me, hear God saying to you that you should proclaim his praises. And this has to do, proclaiming the praises of God has to do with living a testimony. It has to do with demonstrating the proof of a changed life. 
It has to do with shining your light. It has to do with setting an example at work. It has to do with having a winning attitude. And you know what? It also has to do when people are talking rubbish about this country that you just don't go along with it. But you're a Joshua. You're a Caleb. And even though there are giants in that land, you determine, I'm going to be a person with a different spirit. Because there might be giants. And let me tell you, there are giants in the land. But I want to tell you, God is calling you to proclaim his praises. God is calling you to be a Joshua. God is calling you to be a Caleb. He's calling you to be a person with a different spirit. That you will say, I don't care what it looks like. But I know my God is greater than these situations. I know my God is greater. And I don't care what the problems that we are that we're facing in the country. But there is a God who is more powerful and my word says that he can heal a nation if we pray. Yeah. Woo! Come on, give a shout of praise. I want to tell you, listen, I speak prophetically. We are going into a watershed time as a nation. Put my mic a bit louder, please. We are going into a watershed time as a nation. And God is calling the army of God to pray. This is a time when you and I need to begin to pray like never before because there are forces of darkness. It's not people. There are forces of hell and darkness trying to destroy this nation right now. But you know what? I believe we have a wonderful future because I believe there's a God that is in charge over this nation. Come on, stand up and put your hands together. Would you give a bit of a shout of praise? Would you give a bit of a shout of victory? Would you proclaim his praises? And the final scripture, it's on your screen. It says in Isaiah 43, remain standing, verse 21. It says, this people I have formed for myself. God's chosen people, and, and this is what it says. They shall declare my praise. Now, you begin to intercede in the Spirit right now. Lord, we declare that you're going to do a work in this nation which is going to astound many. We come up against the spirit of fear and we bind the spirit of fear and we release faith across this nation we see the body of Christ in all its different forms and colors. We see it rising up in faith in the name of Jesus. And even right now in this moment, we intercede for the nation of South Africa. And we declare, South Africa, you shall be saved. We declare, South Africa, that you will bring glory to God. We declare, South Africa, that greater is he who is in us than every force of hell and darkness. And Lord, I thank you that whatever is born of God, and that's us, overcomes the world. Lord, we cry out for our nation. We cry out for the healing of our nation. I see the winds of the Spirit of God blowing across this nation. Would you see that with the eyes of faith? Would you see the, the wind of the Spirit of God blowing across this nation? Blow, sweet Spirit of God. Blow, blow, blow.
And so, Lord, we just stand in, in humble submission before your name, realizing that we can stand in this authority all because you have said that we are your chosen people. And so I pray that mindsets that have been plagued by fear would be broken right now. And Lord, we do pray that you would heal the nation of South Africa. Only the Almighty God can do it. But Lord, we thank you for all that you've spoken to us today through your word. And we give you thanks and praise. To God be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.